The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash Bill Risser. I don't know anything else, Bill. I, I just I just know that I'm, I'm, fairly, I'm a fairly, fairly good real estate agent, and, and I know what it takes to be a good one. And so I, I feel I'm going to lead with, with the giver's gain and kind of raise the bar and share it with agents. And so I'm, I'm an open book. If you come to me, whether you're locally here or, you know, halfway across the country and ask questions, I'm, I'd be more than happy to share. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to episode 82 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. We're over a year and a half into this crazy little experiment and having a great time talking to a lot of interesting real estate professionals around the country, finding out what they're doing and, and even more importantly for me, where they came from. It's that curiosity factor that keeps me doing this every week. And I really can't wait to talk to our guest this week. It's Alex Wang of the Sereno Group in, we'll call it the Silicon Valley of California. Alex will kind of clarify exactly where for us. Uh, and uh, I've met Alex online, like many of our guests. With Alex, it was Snapchat. Watching his Snap stories, I highly recommend that to anyone listening. Uh, and I found him a few other places. We actually got to shake hands at him in the summer. And I'm really excited how I'm going to have him on the show. So, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. The first thing I want to ask you is when you find your website and, and find out who you are, you're very um, proud about this term. You call yourself a real estate evangelist. And I love the way that sounds, but I want to get from you. What does that mean for you, and, and why is it important to a buyer or seller that's maybe thinking about hiring you? Yeah, sure. sure. So it's funny. When I first started in the business, you know, people are always changing their titles. So they, they call themselves real estate agents on their business card, and then real estate consultant. Oh, we're consultants. We're not real estate agents. And obviously, we have realtor. And then, um, you know, then you start having these really funny titles, and I always – couldn't figure out what I was. Was I, was I a broker? Also, was I a broker associate? And our company had invited uh, Guy Kawasaki to come out and speak to us. And Guy is, if you guys don't know, he was the chief evangelist at Apple. And his role at Apple Computers was to pretty much, now that back in the day, people, everyone used PC, right? And so his, his job and his role was to go around and share with everyone about why Apple Computers is so awesome. And obviously, you know, fast forward to now, I mean, with Steve Jobs, you know, they've transformed the world. But uh, his his sole job was just just to evangelize about how awesome um, his computers were. And I felt the same way about being a real estate agent. I think that it's not just an agent. We're not just, we are fiduciaries, but uh, it goes a lot beyond that. I mean, what other job can you think of in which, you know, I can have a seller contact me that I've never met before? And within the, uh, they invite me to their house, into their living room to sit down. We talk. And within the span of maybe an hour, I know everything about them. I know their, their kid, how many kids they have. I know, you know, what, if their plans to move, downsize, you know, first time home buyers. You know, I know they're expecting a new baby, sometimes even before they tell their own parents. Uh, I know the health 
of their marriage, right? So, yeah. so I think it's pretty big, pretty big responsibility we have as agents, and it's not just to you know buy and sell a home for for someone, but a lot more beyond that. And so I'm very passionate about the business and knowing the and, and my craft, and so I, I'm always continuing trying to trying to you know get better. I'm going to get back to the passion about the business, but you said the word passion, and that triggered something for me. You're also passionate about this certain basketball team up in Northern California. Am I right? <laughs> I've, I've seen lots yeah. of posts and <laughs> pictures and you and your son. And uh, so, let's, so let's talk a minute since we're recording this the day after the All-Star game. There were four Warriors on the court at the same time. Is, aren't you embarrassed by that? Oh, no, not at all. I think it's great. I wish we had five. <laughs> there you go. Always want more. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. Uh, I know. I'm sure last uh, last year was tough that with the comeback, but uh, I'm sure yeah. every fan there is looking forward to what's gonna happen in the playoffs this year. Am I right? I'm most definitely looking forward to it. If you're ever out here, Bill, yeah, you know, come with me. We'll go catch a Warriors game. And I'll, I'll get you converted. By the way, what which game? Which uh, team do you follow? Well. I grew up in San Diego, so there were the Clippers there for a brief moment in time. But when Donald Sterling took them away, we were forget it. But then I lived 17 years in Phoenix. And so I guess if I follow a team today, it's probably the Suns. And they had that one brief run with Nash and Stoudemire mm-hmm. uh, and Sean Mary. Oh, yeah. And then had that little episode with the Spurs when somebody uh, threw Nash into it. was, oh, who was it? I don't know if I remember the name. Uh, he's on. He's, a, he's an analyst now, but he threw Nash into the boards, and both both Stoudemire and Marion came off the bench and got suspended for Game Five. <laughs> so it, it goes. It, not that I'm bitter about it, but Nash is a great Bay Area. Bay Area. He went to Santa Clara University. That's right. Yep, out of Canada, and and uh, a hell of a player. I want to ask you another question. From once again, just looking at your website, you put in your description. You describe you describe yourself as ABC, which means American-born Chinese. And you also note that you're fluent in Mandarin, so obviously you spoke the language growing up, uh, which probably helps quite a bit in your business in the part of the country that you're in. But let's talk a bit about growing up, um, I'm assuming, in Northern California. Is, are you a native there? Yeah, actually, I'm not. Actually, I was, okay. I was actually, by, my parents, my father, his family immigrated uh, to Taiwan from China during the Cultural Revolution in the late 60s. And eventually he came, he went to college in St. Louis. And and St. Louis is where he met my mother. So I was actually born in St. Louis, Missouri. And um, after there, we moved to Los Angeles. I moved around a lot. Moved around to Los Angeles. Um, then eventually, there's smart short stint in which we moved back to Taiwan. That's actually when I really really was able to learn Chinese because it's really difficult to learn learn a different language a language if you're living in the United States versus being submersed into the culture. Right. Um, and then after that, after that, I went to finish up high school in Orange County, in Irvine specifically, and then I went to Berkeley for school. And so at Berkeley, that's what actually brought me to the San Francisco Bay Area. Let's talk about Berkeley for a minute. Your your degree is in something that I never knew existed. I find it fascinating. It's um, the study of human thinking. And so my first question is. What exactly is that? I mean, it's very literally, it, I can understand what it means, but I'm sure it means something slightly different. And secondly, my guess is you weren't thinking about becoming a realtor at the time you were doing that. Am I right? No, not at all. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's, it's cognitive science study of human thinking really has a, 
uh, kind of emphasis on artificial intelligence as well. But basically, as it takes a lot of different psychology, anthropology, biology, also a whole bunch of different uh, subjects and bring them all together. And, and that, at that time, we had maybe you know 100, 200 people at most in our class that graduated um, from cognitive science, and it had a portion of computer science in it as well. And so, my mother, being the tiger mom that she was, she there's only three real main careers in her mind for for me. And that was be being a doctor, being a lawyer, or being an engineer. And she had handed me this this book uh, about Bill Gates. And back then, Bill Gates was all the rage, right? Saying that you know, be like him because he's successful, and you know, you can do computer science. So I tried computer science, and in fact, it's kind of I kind of fell accidentally into this major because it's super com competitive in computer science. And I, I'm not a computer engineer kind of guy, even though. Uh, I, I did give it a good effort, and so um, you know, ended up with uh, cognitive science with emphasis on artificial intelligence. And now you fast forward till now. I mean, that was like, wow, well, 16, 17 years ago. Now you fast forward now, cognitive science is all the rage because of all this AI stuff that they're talking about. So right. it's been interesting to see um, my my career. I mean, it's 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 funny. The going joke is that my mom she actually called me seven years into my real estate career. And still asking me, when are you going to get a real job, Alex? Why don't you go take the bar and become an attorney? <laughs> so uh, my first question, uh, my next question for you is then, uh, growing up with a tiger mom, how are you with your kids, you and your wife? Uh, we are trying to be anti-tiger parents. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's easy, easier, let's just say it's easier said than done. Right. I understand that. Uh, well, we could have a whole nother conversation about parenting, but we'll save that for another episode. You get out of school and you're not, you graduate. What's the first thing you do out of school? It, you didn't get your license right away, did you? So I actually got my license at the last, my last year at Cal. Um, so I, I was fortunate enough that my mother helped me to purchase my first condo and I ended up managing that condo. And so that helped me really expose me initially into real estate. And so I got my license during uh between my my junior year and senior year i had uh, stepped away from from uh, berkeley for about half a year a year trying to start a new company um and that time i got my license and started mainly the reason was to learn about investing because i knew i wanted to build wealth through real estate i had read red rich dad poor dad like many others and i was inspired to say okay i'm gonna learn how learn how to invest in real estate so um, that's when I actually got my license. But I didn't, um, after I graduated, I had about one year in inside sales at a local tech company and then realized that I'm not, I'm not the cubicle life doesn't fit me and a typical, you know, nine to five kind of thing. And so I basically started jumping right into real estate after that. You also attended Stanford and in their business school, you, you took courses there that, uh, were really based on negotiation strategies. Is that right? Is that the best way to put that? Yeah, yeah. The program's called an Influence and Negotiation Strategies Program, or INSP. It's a one-week program intensive in which you're there, and people from all over the world come to Stanford to basically learn about negotiation. You get you have speakers to talk, and then you actually have applicable exercises, negotiation exercises that you, you do 
with your with your fellow students. And so that was that was really interesting. Uh, I mean, we had we had single one-on-one -on -one negotiations, we had group negotiations, we had corporate kind of. It, it's just a whole gamut of different scenarios. And yeah, that was that was that was a fun time. I'm just thinking if I was a realtor up in the uh, Bay Area that I wouldn't be very excited submitting a contract to you if I happened to do a little digging on who you were and saw what your degree is in and we're, and you're also your your extra work on negotiation strategies. I'm, I'm sure you find that to be uh, very helpful and to be quite honest, very powerful for you in the world of real estate. Oh, extremely. I think I mean that negotiation is is the value that a real estate agent can bring. If you can't negotiate, then you really, I mean, you, you always have to find what your value is as a real estate agent. And I, I found that that bring the value, the best way I could bring value is in negotiation and getting my clients more. And I think that once you can, can figure out what that is, your value is, then, you know, then you can focus on it. And, and that people, it resonates with, 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 with buyers and sellers because you know the sellers they want to sell for the highest possible price and our in our silicon valley san francisco bay area market it's highly competitive and so buyers want to make an offer they want to get the house and so it, it really it helps them to understand that you can get it done where did you first hang your license when you decided you're going to become a, a full-time realtor there's an agent in our area that worked for this company that has a big balloon. And <laughs> so I basically uh, had worked with, uh, joined this company and he was a, he was a big agent. He was a, uh, probably sold 250 homes a year. Mm. And so it was, it, it was a high volume in our area, at least it's a high volume burn and churn kind of business. And so I basically signed up with the team and basically learned everything that I could from them. I learned a lot of good things in terms of how to sell at volume. I also learned a lot of bad things um, and what I didn't want to do. And so that's kind of where I started in my career. In 2007, I ended up starting my own company called Rainmaker Properties in Palo Alto. And so that's pretty much in the heart of Silicon Valley. So I moved my business from one market to the high-end market. And... The reason why I did that, well, number one, I just created my brokerage because I wanted to do my own thing. You know, I could, I can move, I can make changes faster. I was very, very into technology and you know different tools and being able to move faster than everyone else. And so, I started uh, Rainmaker in a in the most high end market in in our area, and I that was purely really by accident. My wife actually, I was quite frustrated. You know, didn't know where to. I knew I wanted to go out on my own, but didn't know where office space was hard to find. And she was just on Craigslist and said, hey, I found this place in Palo Alto. And we had been living about 15 minutes south of Palo Alto, and, and she went to go see it. It was perfect. And so we got that office space and then basically planned the, the flag in the high-end market. And I learned this as I went, but you can always, when you're choosing an office or location to be in, you can always sell downward. So, for example, in our market, Palo Alto is the high-end market, but we let's say this, let's say San Jose is a more uh, the lower-end market compared to Palo Alto at least. Um, you can always be placed in Palo Alto and sell San Jose real estate, no problem. But if you had a property in 
Palo Alto and you're a San Jose real estate agent, it's going to be very difficult for you to convince that Palo Alto home seller just that you're, you, you've got what it takes to sell the house. And so you always can sell downwards, but you can't sell the other way around. I don't, I don't know if that's making sense or not. No, it totally does. I've, I've had other agents, you know, luxury agents on the podcast and you have to become, you have to kind of ingrain yourself in the community in, in some way. And part of that is that for you is that brick and mortar presence, right? They, it allowed you to kind of establish yourself. And then obviously from there on, it's how well you do your job because the referrals are just going to be the, a, a major portion of, of what you do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Being that community, being that, the that, that mayor, right? The mayor, the digital mayor. And that's where I think the brick and mortar is one portion of it, but we were, we actually had a, a very strong internet presence and that actually was even more so helpful for us to be able to just have that address, you know, on that map online or if people are Googling things, find out, okay, Alex is here in Palo Alto. Right. So that was 2007 and we had about seven agents that, uh, that uh, in my little brokerage and then we ended up uh, in 2012. Uh, my company was was acquired by the Serena Group, and that's where I'm currently at um, here in Silicon Valley. And uh, Serena Group's a slightly larger company. We have eight offices, I think maybe nine now, and about 300 plus agents. Uh, but locally spread out only amongst the um, the Bay, Bay Area, so it's not like a large franchise. There's a book called The E Myth, and I strongly recommend people read it, but I have a big tip if you're ever considering, oh, should I go out on my own? I'm frustrated with my company, and you know, what, what should I do? Uh, start my, hang my own shingle versus going, going to a larger company. And I have to say, <clears throat> joining, now Serena Group is not necessary. I would say it's probably the largest boutique company, but it's not like a large franchise, national franchise. But I, <clears throat> originally Rainmaker was a super small, you know, mom and pop shop company. I didn't realize how powerful a network is until I joined the larger company. Mm. And what I mean by that is that once you join part of a network, I had access to now, not only could I send an email and get access to 300 agents, but I also, the larger companies in our area also talk, the managers of each of the large brokerages talk with each other and share information as well. And so suddenly I'm, I'm off my little island and I've got access to all this information about what's coming on the market, what that, what that pending sale sell for, how many offers were there, you know, and, and actually you actually have more credibility as well because it's hard when you're making an offer and the listing agent's looking and saying, what is this company, Rainmaker Products, I've never heard of this before, versus now you have some, a larger brand that they, as long as your company hires good quality agents, which we do, um, it helps so much in terms of getting catapulting your you to your reputation and obviously your career further you mentioned you know the uh, technology side of things that, and it's obvious that you're uh very tech savvy and i want to talk for a, a brief moment about your website i i really enjoyed it when i found it because i look at lots of different uh, real estate agent websites and they all kind of have the same look and feel you know it's still so search focused and other things but yours, yours was really just about how you help people. Um, you had testimonials were front and center on your website about who you are and how you help. And I love that. Tell us, tell us how you landed on that, on that design. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people here use Redfin or Zillow for search. And 
they've got millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so I'm not going to be able to compete with them on search. So I've, I found that working, a lot of my clients actually use Redfin to search for properties, but they end up con contacting me once they found the, found the house. And so I wasn't able, to, I, I'm not going to be able to build a better search tool than, than Redfin. But what I can do is if people can find my website through various ways, social media, you know, SEO, referrals, what, what have you, that once they get on my website, that they right away they can they can understand who I am, and essentially it's a it's a extension of of, of a business card really, um, and to be able to see most people, I mean when people see you, they're either going to gravitate towards you and feel that they can trust you or not, and you can't get them all. But my my hopes is that I'm, I wear my I wear my 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 personality and what I think about the real estate business, uh, you know, on my sleeve, and I just show it to you. This is who I am, and if you gravitate towards me, great. Let's have a conversation, see if it's a good fit to work together. And if not, then you know that's okay as well. I don't have to work with everybody. And so I found that it's been very helpful for me to be able to have, really show my personality. Uh, the website is uh, hosted on Squarespace. I get this question all the time. You know who who built it? How did you build it? How much it cost? And I built it myself with my my marketing team, my assistant who um, he's got his own marketing company to do it. Uh, the cost of it, it, because I built it myself, it's hard to get a ballpark cost. But I just think that you just basically spend the money that you can with the budget that you have. If you're starting off in the business. You know the website's not that important. What's more important is you to be able to learn how to negotiate to get deals get deals done uh, but as you start you know getting a little bit more money you start saving some that you can spend money on on some webs uh, on a better website uh, mobile friendly and you know looks really, really nice get a professional designer and spend the time on it but once you do spend the time on it I don't I recommend not skipping on the on the uh, on the cost of it because you really want to make something build something really unique different and that works I mean my, my website really works well in capturing information and capturing um, clients. Yeah, like it's alexwing.com. And I think that uh, if you're listening to the show, you need to go check it out. It's, it's uh, like I said, you, we use the word unique. I, I just think it's fantastic. So good job on that. Let's, let's, let's talk about your market a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we know that when it comes to price, we can say just California, but then you get specifically into Silicon Valley uh, that, Th that's something very unique and different that's very expensive to live there. But what are some of the other local, we'll call them idiosyncrasies of, of, of working in Silicon Valley? This is, the speed of the market is really, um, is really different from my understanding from other places of the market. Typically in our market, if the property comes on the MLS midweek, let's say on Wednesday, we have a broker tour in which we open it up for brokers to come by and, and public if they want to come by during a weekday. Usually that's on a Friday. Then we have an open house on Saturday and Sunday. And then we look at offers on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. That's the following week. Wow. And then it's sold. And so that's generally how fast things move. And so you have to be very, very fast on our toes. It's always a go on the, on, you know, go, go, go. Um, a lot of the most, mostly all of our offers are as is condition. And quite often, in order to compete, it's so competitive. So it's, it's sold so quickly because there's more than one buyer wanting to buy a property. And because of that, you can only compete on two things. One is obviously price, you know, who's going to pay, pay the most. 
also one of the terms. And how you compete on terms is you start making sure that your terms are very, very appealing to the seller. And one of them is contingencies or lack thereof. And so quite often our offers that we see that win are offers that are a good price as is with little to no contingencies. And that means that if the seller accepts your offer, boom, that earnest money deposits in the next day, not three days, which a lot of markets have, but the next day that money's in and then we're looking to close, you know, and 30 days, is that, a 30 day escrow is actually kind of long in our market. Wow. I was going to say, so Trid, Trid was a lot of fun for you <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, um, yeah, uh, what? I think I think there's still a lot of ways that title and escrow and you know financing can can improve. And I think it, we're we're going in that direction. It just takes some time. Yeah, we're kind of a slow moving dinosaur at times in the title world, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of slow moving real estate agents as well. Okay, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I love what you do on Snapchat. You mentioned the speed of the transaction, and for anyone that followed your stories. Uh, on Snapchat, a lot of it is you and your car headed off to the next thing because you just got a call telling you that this is happening on this transaction. You've got to be there right now, but you've got a little bit of time while driving to kind of share what's happening. And so uh, those snaps are awesome, that those stories that you, you put together. And when I watch those, it seems like a lot of what you do on Snapchat, a lot of it's been directed to realtors, to agents that follow you, and a lot of it on how to be a better agent. So other than being a nice guy, why are you, why do you do that? Why it, it, some people would say you're helping competitors. Um, others might say that you know you're you're it's a great way to get referrals. Is it both? Is it somewhere in the middle? What tell me about that? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to just my being evangelizing my role as a real estate agent. I don't know anything else, Bill. I, I just I just know that I'm I'm, fairly, I'm a fairly, fairly good real estate agent, and, and I know what it takes to be a good one. And so I, I feel I'm going to lead with, with the giver's game and kind of raise the bar and share it with agents. And so I'm, I'm an open book. If you come to me, whether you're locally here or, you know, halfway across the country and ask questions, I'm, I'd be more than happy to share with, that, share with you. A lot of times I see a lot of top producers that they would really keep their, their secrets tight. You know, their, their cards close to them, won't share about information about what, what they're doing, how they're successful. I mean, honestly, half the time I share, probably even more than half the time I share with agents, they hear it, but a lot of them don't actually implement or execute what, what I told them to do. And so it's, it's, um, it's interesting to see. And I just really, I'm really wanting, always trying to improve the industry. I think there's a lot of areas that we can improve on. And so if I can be able to share and be, be that kind of thought leader in my space, then, uh, you know, that, that's, it makes me happy to be able to do that. Well, I love hearing that. That's great. You're you're also big on Facebook. Uh, I see on Twitter. You like Instagram a lot. Right now, what's your favorite social network and why? Oh, that's hard. That's a very very hard question. Um, Twitter's become kind of really noisy, like a megaphone. Um, Instagram is is uh, I love how you can like curate and have like a showcase to. The show, and I've got a couple of projects on Instagram that we're developing right now. Um, but I just have to say, Facebook is probably the the main one that I, the one I spend the most time on, just because it's such. It's almost like a necessity now. Yeah, I think Facebook is probably the 
the one because it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's that's because keeping in contact with your clients. Um, I learned this tip from I think from Katie Lance and having having client lists for clients and potential clients on Facebook. And so no longer is my news feed so noisy and I can just have news feed only, only of my clients or of potential clients and interact with them and show them some love and figure out what they're doing and where they go on vacation. So that, that's been great. Also what's been really impressive to me is how Messenger, Facebook Messenger is starting to become like the, the go-to app for messaging. I mean, I've had situations now that I just Facebook message people. I don't even use, I've got a, a specific cell phone. I don't have their phone number in, in my cell phone, but I just go on Messenger and message people. And now they're starting to uh, team up with Uber. And I'm sure at some point you're going to be able to go on Facebook Messenger and order your, order your meal and um, do, you know, buy stuff. And kind of similar to an app in China called WeChat, which has pretty much taken over that, that, that country. You can do almost anything on that, on that app. So I think that's the direction where Facebook is going, and so I'm really impressed and you know, close to tracking that very closely. I want to talk about video for a second. You obviously use a lot of video with Snapchat, with Facebook Live. Um, is video a big part of what you plan to do in the future for marketing? I, I would think that that's uh, maybe a direction you want to head. I just finished up this this video uh, with me taking on a property and going through the process in about a week and a half to, to renovate it and bring it to market and get it sold. And so I'm actually going to be, I've been playing around a lot with video and sharing, uh, just, I guess very Gary V inspired, let's say. And I, I know you and I had both met him when we were at Inman and, um, you know, he really inspired me to be able to, you know, share, share my story. And I think documenting the, uh, the life of a real estate agent. And so that's what I've been really working on. Yeah. You mentioned that being the mayor, right? Being that digital mayor, that's, that's, that's classic Gary, right? That's, it's so simple in concept, but it's the execution part. That's hard. You mentioned before you'll share with anyone who asks you how you succeed and how things work for you. But the execution implementation is, is the part that the vast majority of, people in our business tend to fail on, right? Yeah, and that's why it's so, it's, it's hard. I mean, with anything, right? It's, it's execution is all, is uh, is the key. And in, the, in this business, you can have 10 successful real estate agents and they can all be successful in 10 different ways. And that's what's also so challenging. As I um, was doing some more research on you, I found you, you've got lots of um, interviews out there. You've been... Uh, there are, there are newspapers, even some national publications that have uh, reached out to you and you've been able to talk about the real estate market, where you are and how it works. How, how have you come across those opportunities? Are they, do they seek you out and they find you by your internet presence or, or is there some way where you're trying to find them to make sure they know you're available? How do you, how do, you do that? Most of them is them, them finding me, whether it be online or through another publication, perhaps. Um, I've got some decent relationships with the local uh, news in, the, in my area, but overall, I, I can do a better job of, uh, of putting together a media or a press kit or something like that, but at this point, no, I don't have anything reaching out to, really just more so being reactive when people reach out to me. You mentioned Katie, you mentioned Gary, who are some other, who are the voices in, in the industry that you respect and follow and, and listen to regularly? 
Yeah, so uh, I've actually recently been turned on to Ryan Fletcher. Oh, yeah. And I, I loved I loved his uh, about the real estate industry, how we can be better, and just uh, I really enjoy his uh, his content. He's got Agent Marketing Syndicate, right? That's his podcast. That's it. That, that's it. Yeah. So I just recently started listening to him. To his yeah. Stuff. He's an interesting guy, right? Uh, he's he's he is all about um, creating a media company, and you know, really building an, um, this empire that attracts people to you. Is that am I putting that together the right way? Would you say? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a, that's a good way of, of saying it. He does a great job on his, on um, on his on his stuff. Yeah, I like I like. He's a very interesting guy. He can be very polarizing. That's for sure. He's not for everybody, yeah. but uh, it's definitely worth right. checking out. Agent Marketing Syndicate, yeah. And who else? Yeah. Um, and then also I was, uh, I was listening to actually Chris Smith recently, and um, and he had meant, he had one of the guests that he had spoken to was Scott Stranton of Unmarketing Blog. Mm-hmm. And so I've enjoyed reading that. that that's been uh, really good. And, of course, you know, Brad Inman, you know, Katie Lance, uh, Neil Maskwig, Lee Brown. I, I enjoy all their stuff, and it, it's all different styles. And I like to kind of, you know, everyone's got their own style, and, and them doing them, and me doing me, and you doing you. And so I, I just like, I just like what, what they bring to the industry. That's great. Well, I've had you here over the half hour that I, I asked of you, so I've, I'm going to wrap up with the same question I ask everybody uh, in all 82 episodes, and that's. If if you could give one piece of advice to an agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? I would say, do not focus on social media. Focus on finding someone to learn the business from first, and learn how to negotiate. And then leads and show. I mean, leads and social media can help, but it doesn't help if you don't know how to close. And so, learn to negotiate first, and then building the foundation to to generate business. Alex, if somebody wants to reach out to you, because you said you'd, you'd openly share things with people if they want to talk to you, what's the best way for them to, to get a hold of you? Uh, best way probably is on Facebook. Um, and uh, it's facebook.com slash hello Alex Wang. Uh, you know, or, or you can find me on Twitter at, at Alex Wang. So that's probably one of the easiest ways. And I'm obviously on Instagram and, uh, and Snapchat as well. And those are both just uh, Alex Wang, right, on both those platforms? Oh yeah, Snapchat. My Snapchat handle is Hello Alex Wang, and Instagram is Real Alex Wang. Alex, thank you so much for sharing some time with us here on the Real Estate Sessions. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll say this for you, since I'm, I'm not tied to a team. Go Warriors! I do like Steph Curry a ton. He just seems real straightforward, nice guy, decent role model. I like him. So, <laughs> well, I'll just say Go Warriors. All right. Go Dubs. <laughs>